All right, man. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Everybody have a good one? Yeah. All right. So hopefully you are thankful. I love this series, just the title, because it makes me think about being full to the point of overflowing. You know that we have uh, we have been blessed. I mean, many of you guys probably ate way more than you should have, so you ate to the point of being way too full. Maybe even gluttony. So if you need to confess that today, you can take care of that. But uh, but the thing is, is we are uh, we come to the season. I love the Thanksgiving season, and what it is, it's a time to be able to come together and to focus on what we have been blessed with, to focus on what we have rather than what we don't have. And so hopefully you took some time, maybe around your table as you guys were holding hands for the prayer, and you asked, hey, what are you thankful for? And you may have heard, hey, I mean, I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for this turkey or this food, or I'm thankful for whatever, but you, you, you held hands and you, you took the time to give thanks. And then maybe together, corporately, as a family, you said, God, we want to give you thanks. And so that's what, that's what Thanksgiving is about, is being thankful. And uh, so today I want us to kind of look at being thankful and, you know, as we were singing those songs, I was, I was just thinking about how thankful I am for the gospel. So today... Uh, we're, we're saying, hey, I choose thankfulness. It's a choice. I had someone this morning that I, I was speaking to, and I said, well, how, how did it go? He goes, well, it wasn't, so, you know, it was kind of a negative thing. Said, hey, bro, you got to focus on the positive. you got to focus on the good. Because it's easy to focus on the negative, isn't it? And so we we got to be careful that we choose thankfulness. We choose that we're thankful. We choose to be positive. We choose to, to look for the good in someone. We choose to, to find, hey, what is positive in the situation? And so that goes a long way. And so the, the thing I want to do is go down, I want to list a couple of things that I'm thankful for, and hopefully you are thankful for, but I'm thankful for the gospel. I don't know if you guys realized, as we were singing those songs, we were, we were literally singing back to God the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were singing back to Him, you know, who Jesus is, what He has done. And we were singing it back to Him. And we're going, God, you know, you're, you're a loving God. Jesus, you went to the cross. Jesus, you drive back darkness. Jesus, we were telling everything that He does. And, and so I love the fact that we have the opportunity as a church to corporately gather and celebrate the gospel. To be thankful for the gospel. Look at this, it says the word gospel literally means good news. And it occurs 93 times in the Bible, exclusively in the New Testament. And so here's the thing is a lot of times when we hear the word gospel, we think, all right, that's churchy sounding. No, 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 that's biblical. It's not a churchy thing. It's, it's, it's a biblical thing. And I know some of you guys go, well, that, is that, is, that kind of makes me think of gospel music. Well, gospel music is good news that has been put to music. That's what it is. And so the thing is, is the gospel is the good news that, you know what, that Jesus died so that you might live. The, the gospel is good news is that God... Said, hey, listen, we are, we're in, we're, we're in a relationship that is strained. There is a chasm between us. And so God provided the way of salvation for you and for me to be in a right relationship with God. That if we will put our faith in Christ, if we will literally accept the free gift of salvation, that we can be made right with God, not because of anything that we do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that He bled out His precious blood, and His blood literally covers us, and the righteousness of Christ is applied to our life, and we are made right and in right standing with God because of what Jesus has done. And literally, Jesus would literally be laid in a buried tomb or a borrowed tomb. He would, he would be resurrected by the power of God, and He would defeat death, He would defeat the grave, He would defeat sin, and we have the right to have a, an opportunity to go into God's presence only because of what Christ has done. That is good news, guys. I don't know if you can get your mind around that. But the gospel is good news. The gospel is powerful. The gospel has power to change lives, to save lives, to heal, to redeem. That is the gospel. And so I think sometimes we get so busy doing church that we forget, man, we have been given the most incredible gift called the gospel. And then we have this incredible opportunity to take that message, the gospel, into the world by how we live and by, here's the thing, by where we work. Wherever we go, we are on the mission field. And, and so, I am thankful for the gospel. Look at what it says here. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. In other words, they're saying this is the foundation we're standing on. By the gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to what the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. It's the most important. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, which is, was Peter, and then to the twelve. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are, who are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then all, to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared also to me as one abnormally born. Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, Jesus, he died on the cross. That is the message we have been preaching. It is Jesus Christ crucified. It is the cross of Christ. And so Paul is saying, we have preached that. We are proclaiming that. It is the gospel. It is the gospel that leads to salvation. And he is encouraging and everyone to, hey, hear it. Put your faith in Christ. And then he begins to say, hey, listen, man, he, Jesus appeared not only to Peter, but he appeared to everyone. Man, there was 500 people who saw him resurrected, walking around. There are witnesses that bear witness and say, hey, listen, Jesus is alive. So there, there, there's factual stuff. And he's saying, listen, but it's not about facts. It's about faith. And so the gospel is the good news. And so here's, here's what happens too often for us. We think, man, I've got to do something to be saved. I've got to go to church more. Man, if I just go to church more, then maybe God will save me. I've got to do more good deeds. Maybe God will save me if I do a few more good things. Maybe if I'm a better person. Or maybe if I go to life group. Or whatever it might be. And what we begin to do is we begin to kind of measure. Hey, I'm measuring up. You never measure up. I never measure up. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Here's the cool thing about it. God says, you're all messed up. You're all broken. But the incredible thing is, is that God says, I'll make a way for every one of you to be right with me. It'll be my son, Jesus, who will take care of your sins. He will wash you and make you whole. That is good news. Guys, I don't know if you can get your mind around that, but that's the gospel. And so here's the thing is too often we're, we get legalistic and we think, well, I've got to do more. I've got to jump through certain hoops. I've got to not do this, not do that. And God says, you know what? You can do whatever you want to do. You'll never, ever be good enough. And so the good news is that anybody, anybody who puts their faith in Christ can be saved. The worst drug addict in the world can put their faith in Christ and be saved. The, the, the most goody two-shoes person you know is still destined for a place called hell, separated from God. Unless they receive the gospel and they put their faith in Christ. It all comes back to the gospel. So I'm thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's another I am thankful for God's word. I am thankful for God's word. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they are true. For you are, you, you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Let me tell you, many of you guys know I've been in Africa over the last couple of weeks. And it was an incredible time over there. So we had 70-something pastors that were able to, to get there. There were 107 that were registered before I ever left here. But many of those could not get their visas or their paperwork, uh, I guess, approved by their countries to, re- to leave. Like some of them were in Zimbabwe, some of them were in Malawi and different countries. And they were trying to come to South Africa, to Kimberley, South Africa, where this conference was going to be. This conference is three weeks long. We only taught one week of it. And so there were some pastors that lo- uh, literally were in a car accident. Pastor, uh, Pastor Simon lost his life. Over there, they drive on the wrong side of the road, and, and anyway, so they're, they're coming down the road, and they're gonna go around, and they're overcoming the car in front of them, and the lady wasn't paying attention, didn't see them, and she cut across, caught the rear end of their car, and it began to flip, and Pastor Simon, one of the pastors coming from uh, Zimbabwe, was killed, and, uh, and so he lost his life. But one of the cool things is he had sent a, his last text to his family, is he was talking about how excited he was to go on this, this, uh, to this conference and to be able to be uh, challenged with God's word and to grow as a leader. He said, but if, you know, and hope to see you soon, but if I don't, I will see you on the other side and I will see you in glory. And I'm thinking, man, how awesome that he, God was preparing him as he was preparing them as he would breathe his last. There was two others, there was a couple of others in there, Pastor Mitchell and his wife Mary, uh, who our team will most likely be working with in Zimbabwe whenever they go in April, they were also hurt. Mary had broken ribs, and uh, but she was uh, she was doing better the last we'd heard. Another guy had a broke leg, and then another guy had had some head injuries that they were having to watch. So those guys didn't make it to the to the training. But there were seventy something pastors from all these different countries, seven or eight different countries, that had come together for what God's word, the teaching of God's word. To, hey, how do I clearly present the gospel? I want to be a better presenter of the gospel. 
And so they had come together for that. There were 30 students that are there at Africa for Jesus. Many of you guys saw the video last week. But Pastor Andre has 30-something students that he is pouring into. It's a school of discipleship. And he is training them and equipping them. And they will literally go all over the world as missionaries. Teaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel. And teaching God's Word. And so I am thankful for God's Word and how it changes lives. And it, and it permeates cultures. You know, uh, one of the funny things was... Uh, many of the African pastors would be like, uh, Pastor Mike, could you slow down a little bit? And I was like, hey, listen, man, I'm going as slow as I know how to go. I said, but y'all just going to have to listen quicker. You know, you just got to tighten up. And, and I told them, I said, hey, listen, my people tell me I talk quick. And, uh, and they, they would just laugh. And then they would bring their phone or something up and they would sit it down to record it and try to decipher it later, I guess. But the thing is, is we had all these people together for what? The teaching of God's Word. For, the, for, for understanding God's Word. They were thankful for God's Word. You ought to hear them worship. Man, it's powerful. They would start, they would have a call to worship. You know, and we're get, getting around and all of a sudden you hear somebody start singing and then somebody else would join in. And before you know it, man, it's just all these voices singing praise to God. Just honoring God. And you're like, man, what an awesome call to worship. And then you would get in there and you could just tell these guys were so hungry for God's Word. You know, and I was reminded as I sat there and I would watch them I'm sitting there going, God, am I hungry for your word like that? And I would ask you, are you hungry for God's word? Do you, do you look forward to getting up and just reading God's word? To spending time in God's word? Do you look forward to hearing God's word? Maybe, maybe you hear it on video or, or on, on an audio tape or something like that, but you hear it and you go, man, gosh, God, thank you for your word. It brings life. The Bible says it brings healing to the bones. And so for many of us, maybe we don't listen to the word enough or we don't read the word enough. And sometimes we get a devotion, but maybe if we were to sit down and start reading God's Word as much as we read books. Too often we spend all of our time reading books, and we don't read the most important book. You know, and so there's great things out there we can learn from all kinds of books, but do we read God's Word? And then, so here's a, another thing. That, thankful for the teaching of God's Word. You know, seeing all these teachers learning how to be better teachers. You know, and I would ask you guys, man, you know, hey, am I, am I working to be the best that I can be? It's a question I always ask myself. Hey, am I really working at being the best that I can be? And so it says this in, in the passage here. It says, now th- these are the gifts Christ uh, gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, listen to this, is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to church, un- un- until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, here's the thing. This is going to happen. The teaching of God's Word is going to happen. Some of you guys might go, well, Pastor Mike, you teach too long sometimes. Or maybe you just talk too long, you know, or whatever. Or maybe you think, you know, I don't need so much teaching. I think I just need just a devotion and I'm good, you know. And I'm... But here's the thing. I had a pastor, I heard a pastor one time, he had, he had taught, you know, and he had taught the same message like a couple of Sundays in a row. And Everybody got to thinking, you know, has, has Pastor lost his mind? I mean, is he is he getting dementia? I mean, is he getting old? I mean, what? Because he taught that same message last Sunday. And I think it's the same one that he taught the Sunday before. And so they get up there and he starts teaching. It's the same one. And somebody says, hey, listen, dude, you need to go talk to the pastor and find out what's going on. I mean, I, I think he's lost it. And so anyway, they walk over and they said, hey, listen, Pastor, you know, we just wanted to touch base. We noticed that you're doing the same message that you did last Sunday. And I think that's the same one you did the week before. And he goes, it is. And so what's the deal? He said, well, y'all still haven't done what I taught the first week. You know, and so I'm just saying to you guys, that's what it's saying here. It's going to continue until you mature and, and, and develop and you grow. And you say, you know what? Hey, we've come together as one. We're making a difference. The body of Christ is being built up. And you know what? We're going to see God's kingdom expanded. And so the teaching is going to continue. Isn't that awesome? So I'm excited about it. I don't know about you guys. So let's carry on in verse 14. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. Too often, the church is f- filled with a bunch of babies. A bunch of babies that don't know how to feed themselves spiritually. They don't know how to grow up. They're still living as babies or even maybe teenagers in the faith whenever they ought to be mature. So then it will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every, uh, every wind of new teaching. And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. And it helps others, uh, the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's what I love about the teaching aspect of it. You know, whenever someone has the gift of teaching, 
What they're saying is, you know what, this is a gift that has come from God. And so what they want to do is they want to teach in such a way to equip people for the works of ministry so that the church flourishes, so that the church grows, so that the church has greater influence, so that the church is able to make a difference in the community that it has been placed in. And so when teachers teach, and this is what I love, you know, I'm over there with all kinds of pastors who are learning how to be better teachers. And as I was sitting there, you know, watching them and learning from them, you know, I was like, you know what, God, thank you that there's people who want to be the best teachers possible. I was thankful that while I'm in Africa, Pastor Daniel is teaching here. And he's teaching God's Word. He's teaching the truth of God's Word. He is sharing the Gospel. There were people who put their faith in Christ for salvation. While I'm in Africa, it's being taught here. And here's the cool thing about it. It permeates culture. It goes everywhere. The teaching of God's Word literally is a powerful thing. And so that's someone using their gift. So you might say, well, Mike, I don't have the gift of teaching. What gift do you have? Do you have the gift of mercy? Do you have the gift of hospitality? What gift do you have? I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look to the person over to your left. Real quick, look to the person over your left. And ask yourself, have I seen that person serving here in the body of Christ? All right, now look to your right. Have I seen that person? Look, now, y'all gotta, all right, now look at each other. Because now you're looking at the back of somebody's head. All right, so, so look at each other and say, have I seen this guy using his gifts or her gifts here in the body of Christ? And just look around. Just say, you know what? Like, I've seen this guy here, I've seen this guy here, I've seen this lady here, or I've seen this person. Have I seen them using their gifts? Because a lot of times what we do is we use our gifts. Like, I walked through this morning, there's people in the, in the cafe, and they're using their gifts of hospitality to make people feel welcome. I've seen ushers and greeters that will, will speak to people, Hey, good morning, welcome to Journey Church. So what I'm asking is, are you using your gifts? These guys, they're using their gift of teaching. To build up the body of Christ. But here's the thing is that we continue to read that passage. Every gift in the church is used to bring it, us closer together. And here's the thing. is to share the gospel and to live out God's plan. And so there's some of you that have the gift of teaching maybe that you're not teaching. Or maybe the gift of hospitality but you're not making people feel welcome. Or maybe it's the gift of service and you're not serving anyone. Or maybe it's the gift of giving and you're not giving anything. And so what is it that God has gifted you to do? You might say, well, Mike, I don't know. Well, then you know what? You, know, you have a responsibility to discover what your gifts are. And whatever your gift might be, it is to be used to help build up the body of Christ. It is to help bring the body together. And so that the body is more impactful, more influential, if you will, in our community. And so the thing is, is if you're not using your gift, you're holding back what could be here in our church, in our church family. You might say, well, Mike, I want to be a part of this church. Well, then come on, let's go. You might say, well, Mike, I have joined the church, but I don't know what my gifts are. Then discover them. You can come find some of our staff. We will help you discover what your gifts are. But the question I would ask is for everyone in here, if you know what your gift is and you're not using it, why? Whenever we read Scripture and it makes it clear that teaching helps build up the body, serving helps build up the body, you know, whatever it might be, God has given it so that it works together so the body is one. And it is super impactful in our communities. And so I love the fact, and I'm thankful for the teaching of God's Word. I'm thankful that I can go other places and we have pastors that teach God's Word. I'm thankful for God's Word. I'm thankful for the Gospel. Here's another. I'm thankful for God's call. I am thankful for God's call. Look at what it says here. This is, this is Jesus saying, He said, Then He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to give some things up. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to die to some things. And that's what we have a struggle with. Because remember, I talked about the gospel. And the gospel is really easy. It's really amazing that we can put our faith in Christ. We don't have to earn anything. We don't have to jump through hoops. We just have to literally say, Jesus, I believe with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with everything that's in me, I put my faith in you then we receive salvation and we, are, we become a part of the family of God. But here's the thing, it's following Jesus. Following Jesus is the tough part. Salvation, really, to be honest with you, is pretty easy. A child can put his faith in Christ. You know, an, an old man or an old woman on their deathbed can whisper, or maybe not even whisper, maybe they can just blink their eyes, yes, to someone who shares the gospel. Pastor Norman was sharing with me that he was going out to Africa for Jesus at one time, and there was a car wreck 
there on the main road where some guys had lost control, went off, hit hit a fence, and they had rolled the car. And he got out, and there's four or five guys. And he said a couple of them were already dead, and there was one guy that was there. He said he got down beside him, and he asked me, he said, Mike, could you share the gospel in 30 seconds? And I said, yeah, I think I could. He said, sometimes that's all you got. He said, I got down beside this young man. He goes, and I began to share the gospel with him. And I asked him, I said, do you understand Jesus can save you? And he said the guy just was able to nod his head. And he he, he said, I led him through the sinner's prayer. He said, and just a few seconds later, he said he breathed his last. See, the gospel, the gospel is for the thief on the cross. Jesus, can I be with you today in paradise? Yes. It's all about faith. It's not about works and deeds and all these things that we try to do to earn God's affection. But here's the thing, it's because of God's love and because of God's graciousness, His mercy, His grace, we want to live for Him. And so Jesus said, hey listen, if you're going to come follow me, you're going to have to die to some things. You're going to have to leave your own way of thinking behind. You're going to have to die to some of these things that you think are so important. And you've got to realize what is really most important is the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is calling people to, hey, come follow me. And so what Jesus may be calling you, hey, come follow me. Give up that wasted way of living that you're living and come follow me where there's real life. This world promises us so much, but it's so much that it's just a lie. And the teaching before that says we will know what sounds like the truth, but we know it's a lie. It sounds like the truth, but we know it's a lie. And so thankful for God's call. Look at this passage here where Paul is writing. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And in some translation it says dung. But I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law by me doing the right things. But what he's saying is, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. The righteousness of Christ being applied to my life. Not me following the law. Not me following all the, all the rules. But it's by faith. My faith in Christ is what covers me. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. To suffer with Christ. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is, listen, man, I thought that all these accolades were so important. I thought me being Hebrew among Hebrews, I thought me being religious was what it was most important, and I have found out that it is pure garbage, even dung. He said the most important thing is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, by faith. And he goes, man, I consider all this stuff that I thought was so important garbage. You know what, what if we as a church, what if we as individuals begin to say, you know what, all this that the world says is so important is garbage. In comparison to knowing Christ and to making Him known and to follow Him and to respond to His call and, and, and to lead a life that is lined up with His Word and with His teaching, that is overflowing with His love and His presence. Man, that if we would see what the world really has to offer, say, you know what, it's garbage compared to Christ. It is garbage compared to knowing Christ, to Him living in me, living through me, and me following Him, me responding to His call on my life, that we would consider everything else garbage in comparison. And so I love the call. I am thankful for God's call. I remember when I responded to God's call on my life at the age of 20. At 19, I gave my life to Christ. I responded to the Holy Spirit. I responded to God drawing me unto Him. And I gave my life to Christ. I put my faith in Him at 19. I had gone to church most of my life. I had been involved. I had done all kinds of things. But at that moment, it became real to me. I had a relationship with God. And then a year later, I began to wrestle with God calling me to the ministry. And I, was, I kept going, God, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And I kept telling him, but God said, you know what, Mike, just trust me. If he calls you, he will equip you. And so what I loved this past week, being there in Africa, is watching you know, Larry Wright, who is 71 years old, traveling the globe, 
He leads a ministry called Leaders Building Leaders. And Larry took the time to invest in a bunch of pastors from countries all over South Africa that had come together to become better leaders, better teachers, better equippers. And I watched Larry, who is 71, has more giddy-up, more spunk, more energy than most of us. But at 71, he is not retired. Man, he is still, he is still knocking it back for the kingdom. And so Larry has a call on his life. And I watched him, you know, I watched him interact with these pastors, these African pastors. And, and man, and he would joke around with them. And you could just see that, you know what? God has a call on his life to, to, to build leaders there in Africa that will go back and they will preach the gospel and will take the word of God to nations that have not heard it yet. And I'm thinking, man, you know, God, it's so awesome to see your call on his life. And then with Pastor Ken Gagan, who has a ministry called Call to Africa, that we support, one of the ministries that we support with our Big Give offering, to watch Pastor Ken go in and meet with these pastors and these leaders. And, man, you can just see God's anointing on his life. You know, and Pastor Ken's a slow-talking guy, you know, talks like it. And, man, he's right in rhythm with them, I guess, you know, because they would eat him up. And I was sitting there going, like, you know, God, I can see you have a call on Ken to preach to Africa, to, to, to literally equip guys to go back and preach the Word of God in their, in their cities and in their communities. And, man, he is so unapologetic about the gospel of Christ. And I was sitting there going, God, thank you for your call on Ken's life. And you could just see God's power pouring over him. And as he was proclaiming truth, it was incredible. We had, like I said... 70-something pastors there. We had 30-something students from the School of Discipleship. And we had 15 that were there for substance abuse. They were trying to find freedom from substance abuse. And there was a guy named Chris who was there that week. And Chris, you know, had been a, a heroin addict for 20 years. And so Chris, he put his faith in Christ for salvation about middle ways through the week. And one of the guys that was there, a young guy, was sharing how he had... He had been sharing his testimony with this guy. And this guy had put his faith in Christ for salvation. And we, we were all pumped. And, and Chris was a very hard-looking guy. And, and Andre kept saying, he's just a big teddy bear. He's just a big teddy bear. And so one of the Bibles that we took over there, we took about 10 or 15 of our New Believers Bibles that we give to everybody whenever they give their life to Christ here at Journey. I walked over to Chris and I said, Chris, here's a gift, man. This is a Bible. It's a New Believers Bible. And I began to walk him through it. And if you could have seen his face, his face is just overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with the love of people. He's overwhelmed with the gospel. He's like, man, I've, I've never been able to get my, my mind around this. And then to be able to put a, a Bible in his hand, you can just see the graciousness and the gratefulness and the thankfulness that was there going, thank you. And he, he just felt overwhelmed. And so there was another young couple there where the, 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 the fiancé, the boy, was there trying to get free from drugs. And his fiance had showed up and she had seen such a change in him. She was like, I feel like I need to be here. And so they were both there. She's very much pregnant with child, about seven months. And so I was able to go walk over and give them a, a new believer's Bible and be able to walk them through it. And they were like, thank you so much. And it was just this thankful spirit that was there. You guys are a part of that. Whenever you give, that's what you do. You're investing in the gospel going forward. When you do that, you're, you're investing in that. And so what I love is seeing people respond to God's call on their life. See, I really believe that God is calling some of you to preach the gospel. God is calling some of you to be missionaries. God is calling some of you to be something somewhere, whether it's a coach or a teacher or whatever it might be. He is calling you to that ministry, not for your, for your vocation, not for your career, but because He wants to use you on a platform to present the gospel and to live out your faith. So I still believe that God is calling people. I believe He's calling men and women into the ministry to literally to commit their life full-time to preaching and teaching God's Word. He's calling people to Africa. He's calling them to Asia. He's calling them to Europe. He's, Europe, the church is dying. There are churches being closed day after day, and it seems like that the gospel is literally dying. There, The gospel is not dying. Churches are dying. But you know what? God is still calling, and I am thankful for God's call. So He's calling some of you. And my question would be, would you respond? Just like with Ken. Ken's like, God, I'll go anywhere, but I'm not going to Africa. And that's where God has His call on him. That's where He has anointed him to be effective. So what is it that God's calling you? And don't make excuses. 
And here's the thing, and don't tell God what you can't do and what you won't do. I promise you, He will use that to do the very thing you say you won't do. He will say, you know what, I got you. And I'm going to use you in that way. Here's another, we're thankful. I am thankful we get to see changed lives. One of the things I shared with the many pastors there is that here at Journey Church, we see people come to know Christ on a regular basis. I am thankful for that. I know churches here in our area that have not baptized anybody in a couple, in a couple of years, which blows my mind. So I am thankful that God has His hand of blessing on our church, that our church continues to grow in number. But you know what? The kingdom is growing soul by soul, decision by decision. I am thankful for that. And so one of the cool things is we were over there, we, were, we, had, we got to see Chris put his faith in Christ. And so look at this passage here. It says, this means that if anyone is in Christ, who belongs to Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. All right, so Chris, this heroin addict for 20 years, is a new person. He is a new believer. He is a new Christian. And I love that. And so that is what is on the back of our T-shirts that we give to people that are baptized. It says, forever changed, and it has that passage. And so I want you guys to understand how thankful I am as a pastor, and hopefully you are as a believer and as a church member, that we get to see lives changed. And let's, let's read on. <laughs> it says, and, and all of this is a gift from God, who, who brought it who brought us back to Himself through Christ. It's not anything that we've done. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. That He's talking about us, the church. We have a task. We have a responsibility. We have the Great Commission. Reconciling people back to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against Him. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're His representation. God is making His appeal through us. We speak, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's the gospel. So here's what I'm saying to you guys. God is calling some of you to be a voice and to be a testimony and to be a witness so that others will see that you understand the gospel, you have received the gospel, and you become an ambassador of representation. So no matter where you go, whether it's at Target, Walmart, whatever, school, work, whatever, you represent Christ. And let me, let me kind of give you an example of this. There's a guy, uh, many of you guys may know that I got to go hunting on this trip. This was kind of a, 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 like a lifetime dream for me, to get to hunt in Africa. And, and so while I'm there, Andre said, hey, my brother-in-law has got a place, you know, and my uncle has got a gun. And so we were, I was able to go on a hunt. And so uh, that was a big deal. And, uh, man, I was excited. That was like a dream come true. So it was kind of pieced together, if you would. I didn't know if it would happen. They kind of said, hey, it may happen. I was like, hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. This is my third time to go to Africa. And I'd always thought, man, that would be so awesome. So there was this guy named Rico. And I, if this is Rico. And he was the caper. And Rico doesn't look like the happiest guy right there, does he? He, he wasn't, probably, because he was lost. And so uh, so Rico was on the hunt. And so he, he was kind of hard-boiled looking, as you can tell in that picture. So when I took that picture, I kind of took it like I was taking it of the, of the terrain. But I was trying to get him in it. So it was one of those where I was going to like, you know, I'm just going to get him. And I'm not going to let him think that I took his picture. Because he was kind of hard-boiled looking. But he was sent there by uh, a friend of Andre's who was a caper who capes out the animals. So all the meat was used to feed the pastors and the school of discipleship. So it was kind of a cool thing. So anyways, I want you to listen to a voicemail that is from Rico's boss, who runs the taxidermy service there. So listen to what, now it's it's thick South African English. So it is English. But I want you all to listen to this. Check this out. Hi there, my name is Jacques Lebeskagne. I own the business Redium Taxidermy. I supplied you guys at A4J. Uh, with a caping person named Rico, that, which you all would remember. And uh, I just have a little testimony for you guys. Uh, he came back today to the shop there after he was done at A4J, basically running when he stopped there in uh, Jakobsdal. And he came to me and he was a total different person as the one I took to A4J for the caping of the animals. I asked him what what was up with him, and uh, he said, but he was glowing, actually, and he, the first words out of his mouth was, God is so big, he didn't know God is so big, and he started crying, and I asked him, so you met my God, and he said, yes, and uh, I was very happy, 
with him and uh, he just couldn't stop talking and actually his words was is if there was ever a chance to go back there and keep some animals he would want to go and he will do it for no pay you want to go for free because he just feels he need to be there and uh, I said I, I was very happy with that and I told him uh, that I will do him one better uh, if you tell me his story I have a proposition for him and he told me his story, and a special thanks to uh, Andre Jr. Uh, that he mentioned uh, that uh, basically took him under his wing. And uh, he, I, I'm forever in debt uh, with you, my brother. But the one thing is, this guy had a radical encounter with Jesus himself. And he's totally uh, wrecked for the gospel, which is a good thing. Hallelujah. And uh, I just want to tell you guys, thanks a lot for everything you've done. And the one thing I've, because I've been preaching a lot uh, every morning, basically opening in prayer and preaching. And I asked him, what, uh, how did that happen? How did this happen? And he said, the love between the people. He have never encountered anything like that. For the first time in his life, he felt like he belonged somewhere. And I told him basically it boils down to the fact that next year he's coming to A4J for the year and he's going to do the course and uh, he's very happy on everything but he kept on crying actually while telling me everything. So it was a radical encounter and uh, that's a very good testimony and I just wanted to uh, tell you guys this because keep it up there because it is actually... Like the Bible said over there with you guys, the love between you people for each other will win the lost. And in this case, it wasn't preaching. It was the love of people he have never encountered in his life. So that is all I want to say for you guys. Enjoy it at A4J and God bless you. Keep on with the good work for Christ. Thank you. How cool is that? Woo! So Rico just showed up to cape some animals. And he was wrecked by the gospel. I love it. He showed up to go to work. And he was wrecked by the gospel. Because of the love of people. And so think about this. He showed up to do a job. But he saw people loving on one another. He saw people sharing with one another. He saw these pastors. Because he stayed the night with all these pastors, with all these students, and with all these people who were finding freedom from, from drug addictions. He said, man, I've never seen that kind of love. I've never felt this kind of love. And it wasn't the preaching. It wasn't the teaching. It was the love that people had for one another. And like the guy said, that's his boss saying, man, this guy's been wrecked by the gospel. I've been sharing devotions with him. I've been doing this. But man, he got over there and he saw people loving on one another. And it has changed his life forever. So I'm just telling you guys, it goes back to the gifts. Whenever you use your gifts, whenever you love on one another, whenever you forgive one another, when you care for one another, here's the thing. The world will look at that and go, there's something different about them. I want what they have. And that's what Rico was saying. Hey, listen, man, I'll go up there for free just to be around those people. And then his boss, which I love, I think his name was Jock. What he says is, hey, listen, I'll do one better. I'm going to pay for you to go to school there, to go to that discipleship school, and so that you can get all that you want. Isn't that awesome? That's just how God works. That's how God works. I love it, man. It's awesome. And so, I, let me just say that these last two, and I'll hit these pretty quick. I am thankful for Journey Church. A church that does see life change on a regular basis. A church that celebrates life change. A church that prays. A a church that gives. A church that is willing to go. I've had people come up to me and talk about wanting to go on this trip uh, in April to, to Zimbabwe. To be a part of that. But we've got people that have literally sacrificed and given so that people can, can be, can hear the message and people can go on mission trips. And so I'm thankful for our church. Look at that. This is why we exist. We exist to reach people who are disconnected from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That is the Great Commission. That's the gospel. That's why we exist as a church. It's, now, I've got this verse. I don't know if it's in your notes. But listen, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And so, this is Paul writing to the Gentiles. The Gentiles felt like, hey, we're not good enough. We don't qualify. It's only the Jews. And he said, hey, listen, man, God's made a way for all people to have, be in right standing with Him. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are His house. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. Jesus is the foundation of the church. He's the cornerstone. We are carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are His messengers. We are His ambassadors. And here's the thing, there ought to be a desire within us to be all that we can be for Him. To be the very best that we can be for Him. Whether it be a communicator, a singer, a teacher, a servant, a giver. Whatever it might be that we go, you know, God, I want to be the best I can be for you. I want to give you my life. I want to follow Christ. And I want people to see Jesus in me. That they might hear the gospel and be saved. And then look at this next one. Thankful for the big give. If it weren't for the big give, I wouldn't have been on that mission trip. If it weren't for the big give, we wouldn't be able to have all the impact that we've had this past year. And let me just say this. Last year, our church gave $50,000. That's the most we've ever given. That's a lot of money. But I believe that God wants to do even greater things than that this year through our church. But let me just say this. There's a report that we're going to be putting in y'all's hands in the next week or so that kind of lays out the return on that investment. That $50,000 investment. If you're going to hear about some of the water wells that have been drilled because of our church giving towards missions. You're going to hear about lives that have been saved. The gospel has been presented. The gospel has been heard. The gospel has been received. You're going to hear about people that have learned how to read and write. You're going to hear about a lot of things that your sacrifice has made a difference in the kingdom of God. And has made a difference in the world. And so you'll be getting that not... Maybe either this coming Sunday or the following Sunday. But let me just say this. It will encourage you and you'll be thankful for what you gave above and beyond your time. Here's the thing. We ask that this this offering, this big give offering, and, and there's an envelope here that talks about it. You guys have got that. I want, you to be, I want you to take that envelope home, lay it on your table and say, hey, listen, family, guys, let's pray about what God would have us give. Let's pray about it. Let's ask God, God, what do you want us to give? There's a sacrifice. Let me just say this. It's not your tithe. And, and here's the thing, it's not your tithe anyway, it is God's tithe. We return God's tithe. Like if, if, I, if I give a tithe that's not mine, I return God's tithe. It's His tithe. It's what I give above and beyond that becomes a gift. It becomes a sacrificial gift. So the tithe is not mine to give, it's to return. So listen to this, God has given us two hands, this is Billy Graham. God has given us two hands, one to receive with and the other to give with. And we're not cisterns made for hoarding, we're channels made for sharing. There, there's TV shows out there that talk about hoarders. And most of us, if we see it, we'll go, man, they're sick. Boy, they got some real issues. And because maybe they got 150 cats, or maybe they got 150, you know, new items that they still have the tags on or whatever, and we'll say, man, they're sick or whatever. But here's the thing. The American dream oftentimes becomes hoarding at just another level. We may not have as much as they have, but we have, we have storage rooms full. We have closets full. We have so much stuff. And in a lot of ways, and in a lot of comparisons to maybe to the other parts of the world, we are hoarders. And maybe we ought to sell some things. And maybe we ought to just give some things. And maybe we ought to just bless some people. But what happens is we become hoarders and then we, we, we approve of it because that's what everybody else does. And so, like as Billy Graham says, we're not made to be hoarders. We're made to be a blessing. We're made to be just, just a channel of blessing. Look at what it says here in Proverbs. This is the book of wisdom. Give freely and become more wealthy. And that's not about more stuff. That's becoming wealthy in the eyes of God. Wealthy about in kingdom matters. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Man, you want to be blessed? Bless someone. You want to receive a blessing? Be a blessing to someone. You want to, you want to help someone? Man, it helps you. It brings a healing to your life. And it gives you purpose. Look at this passage here. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will give a, will get a generous crop. And you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Let me just say this. Me reading this passage, I hope you don't think, hey, Pastor Mike's trying to pressure me. I'm not. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to ask God, God, what would you have me give? And whatever he tells you to give, it's good enough. I promise you that. Whatever He tells you to give is good enough. But here's the thing, let it be His answer and not what you decide. Let it be what God tells you to give. So don't give reluctantly and don't give out of pressure. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And give, and God will generously provide all that you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the Scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds, their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Don't you want to be known as generous? Man, I hope so. I hope that we as a church are known as being generous. I hope that I am known as being generous. Too often we're known as stingy, greedy, or in want. Whenever, here's the thing, is we should be thankful Choose. We choose to be thankful. And here's the other thing. We choose to be generous. We can't outgive God. That scripture makes it clear. You can't outgive God. If you give what God tells you to give, He says, listen, He'll take care of you. And you'll have enough, not only for you, but to share with others. So God is saying, hey, listen, just trust me. We're going to talk about how we thank God for His Word. Let's thank God for His truth. And we lean into that. So here's a couple of next steps. Maybe for you today, this is your step. To focus on my blessings and to choose to be thankful. Rather than focus on what you don't have, to focus on what's going on that's negative or wrong or maybe not the way you want it to be, maybe you choose to focus on the positive. You know what? I woke up with breath in my lungs this morning. You know what? I woke up. You know what? I had a, I had a ride. I had a way to get here. You know what? I had a bed to sleep in last night. I had food this morning for breakfast. Or maybe I'll have food for lunch. You know what? Hey, I've got a, I've got a job that I can go to or whatever it might be. And you might say, well, Mike, I don't have some of those things. Here's the thing. You've got some of them or you wouldn't be sitting here. So what you do is you focus on what you have and maybe not on what you don't have. But you say, God, I'm thankful. And so you choose to count your blessings. You focus on that and you choose to be thankful. And then the second one, choose to be a cheerful giver. You know, choose, you know, hey, this is the giving season, everybody says, right? And we, we give gifts, we give all kinds of stuff. And some of us will stress our, our budgets out, we stress our families out trying to give to people who really don't need. But what about giving to those who do have need? What about giving to those that might receive a Bible? What about giving to those who might receive the gospel? What about giving to those who don't need another pair of pants? They don't need another toy. But they need food. But that if we give, we give cheerfully. With joy. God, thank you that I get to be a part of this. God, thank you that I get to invest in the kingdom. God, thank you that I get to give sacrificially. God, you modeled it. You gave your son. Jesus gave his life. God, help me to be one who follows that model. And then this last one. Maybe for you today, the greatest step you could take is to receive God's greatest gift through faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've heard the gospel. You said, man, I've been thinking that I had to go to church to get saved. Wrong. Maybe you've been thinking, you know what, man, I've got to memorize certain scriptures to be saved. Wrong. You know, whatever it might be, you've, you've got this list and you're thinking, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And you realize today, maybe for the first time you go, man, it is it really is faith. It is me putting my faith in Christ for salvation. It is me putting my faith in what Jesus did on the cross. It is me putting my faith in what Jesus did through the power of the resurrection. It is me putting my faith in who Jesus is, is what it takes. And maybe for some of you, it's that moment, aha, I get it. And you know what? You go, you know what? I want to be saved. I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be a child of God. I want to be born again. I want to be set free. I want to be saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Man, so today I embrace the gospel. I receive the gospel. And by faith, I receive Jesus. It's the greatest gift you could ever receive. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. It changes everything changes everything if that is you you go mike that's me let me just tell you this i'm going to thank god in advance that some of you will put your faith in christ i'm going to thank him in advance and i'll just tell you this our church will celebrate you making that decision but that's nothing the bible says that all of heaven rejoices if one calls out on jesus name to be redeemed that the heaven, all of heaven, the angels are rejoicing, they're singing, they're shouting that one has been redeemed. It's a big deal. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe you go, Mike, that is me. Man, I want to receive the gospel. I want to receive Jesus Christ by faith. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be redeemed. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody in the room, say, raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Raise it high. Raise it where I can see it. Man, I, I see your hand right here. I see it. I see it. 
Anybody else? Hands everywhere. Man, I, I want to receive salvation. I see your hand over here. You've heard the gospel. And, and, and I hope you guys understand, there's nothing you have to do to earn it. It is a gift that you receive. It is a gift that you receive by faith. And so right where you're at, if you raise your hand, I want you to look up here. Everybody else, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I see you, all right? And so it's, it's a faith decision. It's your decision. It's a faith decision. It's your decision. All right, both of you. There's somebody right over here. It's a faith decision. And so here's the thing. I, w- I want to challenge you. This right here. By faith. I want to lead you through a simple prayer. But it's not my prayer. It's your prayer. It becomes your prayer that you're praying to Christ. Does that make sense? You're going to pray this prayer, and all you're doing is you're saying, I receive. And so I want you to bow your heads, and I want to lead you through this prayer. Simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you can save me. Jesus, I believe the gospel. Jesus, I believe that you can cleanse me. And so, Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I confess to you that I need salvation. And so, Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you to save me. I put my faith in what you have done and you alone. And so, Jesus, will you change me from this point forward? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you teach me? His answer is yes. And I'll just tell you this. He is going to fill you with his Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, and direct you from this point forward. From this point forward. Everybody else with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. But if you raise your hand, if you just pray that prayer, I want you to look up here at me. One more time. If you, if you just pray that prayer, there's a VIP room back here in the back. We want to put a Bible in your hand. It's a New Believer's Bible. It'll help you to grow in your walk. It's a gift for you. And I know it's easy whenever everybody kind of, they start moving, you go, I'm just going to slide on out. But I want, to, I want to encourage you, if you've got the courage to follow Him now, have the courage to take that step. We want to walk with you, okay? We want to celebrate that, that decision, all right? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for these four or five here that have put their faith in you for salvation. God, thank you that it's by faith that we are saved. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the, the, the proclamation of the gospel. God, I thank you for the teaching of your word. God, I thank you that it is your spirit that draws men unto you. God, we thank you for their, their souls being saved this very day. And God, I pray for every believer in here, God, that we would be thankful God, that you would give us eyes to focus on those things that are blessings in our life. God, we would give you the praise, we would give you the glory, we would give you the honor. God, thank you for meeting with us today. As we move into this Christmas season, God, I pray that we would celebrate the miracles. And God, I pray for the miracle of salvation to continue to take place here in this body of believers. And God, that you would receive all glory and all praise every time it happens. God, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.